Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester's CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. Along with my co host, analyst Diana Lawfer, my name is Sam Stern. You will hear both of our voices each week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester's CX Cast. This is Sam Stern speaking, joined as always by my co host, Diana Lawfer. Hello. And we have a special guest from far, far away, though it doesn't really matter on a podcast, I suppose, does it? Our colleague, principal analyst Ryan Hart in our Singapore office. Good evening, Ryan. Good morning. Good evening. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We wanted to talk to you about your wonderful new report. It's a brief, it's a short report, and it's called What the World Can Learn from Japan's Exquisite Service Culture. So, Ryan, I'll speak for myself. I've never been to Japan, though I have heard about some of their legendary service culture. Diana, have you ever been to Japan before and experienced this firsthand? I can't say that I have, no. Okay, so I'll, I'll guess, Ryan, that we're actually novice good novice stand-ins for our audience who probably haven't been there. So tell us maybe first, why did you decide to write about Japan's service culture and, and why now? Well, thank you. <clears throat> thank you very much, Sam. For me, Japan has always been kind of close to my heart because I've actually spent the bulk of my, my adult life really living and working in Asia. Um, and nine of those years were based in Japan. For me, you know, I've always wanted to connect some of my work and, and some of the things that I, I do for research to, to what I've learned during that time in Japan. You know, if you look at Japan right now, it's it's in the news for a lot of the wrong reasons, so really negative reasons. I mean, it's low GDP, the population is decreasing, you have negative interest rates, negative consumption, negative inflation. Yet when you look at the service culture there, this, you still have a very high standard of, of customer service. It's that exquisite customer service that really stands out for, for anyone that's visiting there or has long-term residence uh, residency in Japan. It's it's quite pronounced. It's quite palpable. Yeah, that's great. For why I decided to write about it now, I think it's, it's interesting because you have customer experience, which seems to be a hot topic now. A lot of people are interested in improving customer experience, but everyone's starting from different starting points. So wildly different levels of progression, I, I guess, in, in their quest to become customer experience leaders. And Japan does a really good job of delivering this high level of customer service, despite the fact that most of Japan Inc. or the Japanese companies in Japan are not organized well to deliver customer experience, you know, in the way that, that we look at it at, at Forrester. So they lack the rigor, they lack the accountability, the processes and, and some of the formal ways to reward people for delivering good customer service. Yet they can still deliver amazing culture, which I think is quite intriguing. Yeah, that really is. So if you were, you know, to bring it back to Forrester parlance, if they were on Megan's maturity model, two by two matrix, they would be these employees doing this, delivering this exquisite service without maybe real rigor behind it in terms of customer experience would be in the hero-driven uh, sort of top upper left box. Absolutely. So very hero-dependent. You know, you have a lot of deep-rooted process and mm. system disconnects, I think, very highly siloed organizations in Japan. But they seem to kind of mask that by this almost service-level approach to anticipating and servicing customers as almost as if it, they were hosts, which actually really is 
you know, very impactful when you're when you're a customer. You know, whether it be uh, buying candy at the local convenience store, or you're going to get coffee, or even to a nice boutique in Ginza, for example, in downtown Tokyo, uh, you'll still feel very similar levels of of service culture. That's great. So, you you said at one point in the report that. Um you describe the service culture just to get into a bit more detail for listeners here about what it would look and feel like to, to help visualize what to take from this. You mentioned that it's unobtrusive and nothing is expected in return. And love to hear more about that. How, how do they sort of give the, give that convey that to to the customer? It's very interesting because for those people that have been fortunate to to travel to Japan. You know, oftentimes when you will enter a, a restaurant or a store or a boutique or, or, or any place of, of commercial space, people will, will generally shout a large, so that's kind of a large welcoming that, that, that people shout, shout at you and you hear it from different uh, angles. And there's no reply that's that's expected, um, and it's just one example. But you know, they may walk you out of the store carrying your bags. They may they may walk you all the way to the train station just to, to help guide you uh, on your directions. I mean, they really go out of your way into making the most efficient interactions um, that they can, while at the same time really trying to think about if they were the customer, they didn't know the, the area, they had problems wayfinding, for example, how might they feel and what type of um, assistance, you know, might that might they be uh, expecting? Yeah. So they just do a really good job, it sounds like, of, I mean, they're, they're almost acting like hosts, hosts to anyone who's in their, their country or their store or their sphere. I think that that really speaks to another principle of, of Japan's omotenashi culture because this is really rooted in, in what the, the Japanese call uh, omotenashi, which is the spirit of very respectful, unobtrusive service that they provide their guests. In the Western world, we look at this relationship between the service culture. The customers are king or, you know, we, we put them on a pedestal. Whereas in Japanese culture, even though the proverb is that guests are actually god so they're almost actually a level above king <laughs> they yeah they actually um they rate they base god us, above king i like that <laughs> right so the, the, the value they value they greatly appreciate it's very gracious service that they're that they greatly appreciate you patronizing their their uh, uh their service or product but it's really interesting because these interactions are based on a relationship of equals. So it's almost like family friends. So if you were to stay, for example, in a Japanese rokan or like a, a Japanese inn, and you say, well, I feel like I, I want to have sushi. Well, they say, well, we have this excellent um, Thai or something, or we have this excellent aji, this different type of fish that we're going to bring you today because this is we know this is fresh and we anticipate that this is actually closer to probably what, what you would expect. And it's always kind of that element of, of kind of a surprise and anticipation. Yeah, uh, trying to take it to that next level. So the omotenashi culture, and I, I was, um, I, I'm sure I didn't get that just right, but I was I wanted to give it a try at least. Um, it, you did well, you did well. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you. So yeah. they, they're elevating the customer to a god, but you said that they're, the interactions are based on a relationship of equals. That's correct. Can, can you talk about how to sort of how they um, square that? How how that you know are, are they gods as well, or even even as they're treating them in this exalted status, they're treating that they're coming to the interaction like an equal. I think it's really the element of a mutual respect, almost like it, it's family friends. So you. 
you have family members, people in your immediate circle, you have a strong, I mean, you, you would almost do anything to kind of serve them, make sure that they're happy, that they're well taken care of, that they're healthy. And it's kind of extending that same type of principle, that same type of uh, feeling towards others towards guests that they would treat them as if every interaction is is unique and singular and that it will never happen again so it's a very interesting phenomenon i mean if you think about japanese culture in general it's really rooted it's very rooted deeply in in this element of empathy and i think empathy and anticipation are really core to to high quality customer service because if you think about empathy, school children in Japan learn about being empathetic towards others at, at a very early age. And so they're kind of indoctrinated, they're educated to, to be empathetic towards others in terms of always be sensitive to the needs and, and the feelings of others. This strikes me that we're um, many times in, in America, we've obsessed over our gap in education to, to Asia. But, you know, in the 80s, it was certainly mainly to Japan, right? We're behind on on math and science education. Now we, hopefully, I would love to see us obsess over a new education gap around empathy. Um, right. Because that, I think, would be a really productive education gap for us to, to take seriously over here. I hate to point this out, but, uh, you know, that's not common among other Asian cultures um, mm -hmm. throughout Asia. I think it's, it's highly pronounced in Japan, where they yeah. will be really focused on that element of empathy. But if you look at, you know, Charles Darwin, he wrote in his book, The Decent Demand, he wrote that, every human being is born with this intrinsic level of empathy towards others and that um you know over time that empathy becomes either more uh, more prevalent or more dormant in in people as they as they age and so contrary to many people's belief is that you know omotenashi is inherently japanese it can't be transportable those elements those principles of omotenashi can't be transportable to other cultures but that's actually uh, goes against uh, what a lot of evolutionary science says. Yeah, in fact, Ryan, you talk about in your report how Danny Meyer from the Union Square Hospitality Group in, in New York City builds empathy and helps train his employees around understanding empathy for their customers. Can you share that story here? I'm glad you picked up on that, Deanna. That's, uh, that came from Forrester's Age of the Customer Executive Summit last uh, November. Um, that we held and we were very honored to have Danny Meyer speaking at that event and he he shared a story of how his grandmother once told him that his tomato sauce in his restaurants would never be as good as hers because he would never never pick the right tomatoes he never nurtured them he never handled them with the with the right level of care and so mm -hmm. regardless of you know what sauce you use what spices you use and and what you know temperature you cook them at it's really that the nurturing and using you know that delicate approach to handling the tomatoes that actually really brings out this in product which is could be service it could be uh could be a tomato sauce you know yeah that's that's a nice story you said that you know omotenashi doesn't have to just live in japan how can other um, organizations in other countries adopt some of these elements, whether it is anticipation or treating like equals or, or building empathy, you know, what are some of the, the ways that they can become closer to Japan's service culture? Sure. As you highlighted, you know, anticipation is one of the most important elements there. I think Japanese omotenashi culture is good about thinking several moves ahead for positioning resources and outcomes. They'll have a lot of rigor around 
who are the best people matched for the, the certain uh, circumstances and customer flow and, and customers that they'll face at a, at a certain point in time. And it's almost like chess, they'll, they'll be very strategic about placing the right service or the right customer care professional or the right um, product at the right time to actually be there when the customer needs them or, or expects it. I think another element of that really is about training uh, your employees to think and feel as the customer. I have a good friend who used to be GM of, of one of the Starwood hotels in Tokyo, and he was living in Japan for a long time. And he used to always tell his, was really to abstract what the guest is feeling first, thinking and then saying second. So it's really feel what the guest is feeling and, and try to put yourself in the shoes of the, of the guest much more than listening to what they're saying and seeing what they're doing, which I think yeah. is, is, is probably easier said than done, but I think it's an important uh, learning. I thought that was a really good example. I, I think you're right, it's not easy. Um, but that encapsulates this mindset, right? Uh, first, trying to understand the, the guest at that sort of higher level, that conceptual level of their, their feelings, and then getting down to maybe the more specifics and what they're, uh, what they're thinking and saying. I think in, oftentimes Western companies will be very tactical in terms of you know, how, how can they best fit certain circumstances or, or certain customer needs or expectations. What is the right exact way to, to resolve the problem? Whereas in... Asian cultures, and I, I think I, I also provide an example of Akura Hotels, how they've, how they've kind of rolled this uh, Kosumen, uh, which is service from the heart that they've actually rolled out in uh, their Sovatel hotels around the world, which doesn't, it's really unscripted. I mean, the service level at, at that is unscripted, and um, they, they leave that extra room for the customer and the, the guest and the host to connect uh, at a different level. Yeah, that's great, and I think one of the things that, that we've been talking a lot about recently is, is this idea of giving uh, employees autonomy, right? The you know the space to, to personalize the experience, and that sounds sounds similar to what they're doing, right? That they're 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 setting the parameters of this great service that they want the employees to deliver, but allowing them the freedom of action to figure out what the right version of that is for each guest. Right, and I think Japan Airlines does a good job of that as well. I mean, certainly, a lot of the motenashi culture can be learned in a manual, but then there's that extra, you know, five percent or that extra cherry on the top of of the sundae that basically can only be provided by from the individual to the individual. And I think that, um, you know, if you nurture those tomatoes, kind of uh, as Danny Meyer's grandmother used to say, if you nurture those employees then they're going to do the right thing at the right time. And I think empowering them to be able to do that and giving them the right kind of environment to, to foster those skills and mindset is really probably the most successful way you can actually ensure that, that, they, that they'll go be up, you know, above and beyond in those service experiences. Love your employees as you would love your tomatoes that you're going to make <laughs> into a wonderful uh, tomato sauce. Well, um, Ryan, thank you very much for joining us in uh, in your evening time here to record uh, this episode. We appreciate it. And for listeners, we really encourage you to check out Ryan's report, which we will link in the show notes of this episode. It is a short report. It's called What the World Can Learn from Japan's Exquisite Service Culture. Ryan shared some good insights from it already here, but there's a lot more uh, examples and details about how to apply some of these lessons for your experience. So thank you all for listening, and, and thank you, Ryan and Diana for, for joining. Bye, everyone.
Thank you for listening to this week's CX Cast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at s-s-t-e-r-n at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality. <laughs>